previously on Where I Stay. They were like, are you talking to Jason? And I'm like, yes. Angelica had just found out that her friend Jason was secretly dealing drugs to everybody else in their rehab program. Now Angelica had 72 hours to choose. If she wanted a place to stay, she'd have to cut off the one friend that she'd made since becoming homeless. He's like, so you have 72 hours? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, we're going to cut that short. Within 24 hours, he ended up getting me a two-bedroom apartment, bought me a Cadillac car. In less than 24 hours, Angelica was gone. That's when, like, I really, really got to see how involved the family is with the whole selling of the drugs. From Rivet and Streetwise, this is where I stay. I'm Jesse Batend. This episode, Angelica goes from owning not much more than the clothes she's wearing to having just about anything she could possibly want. But nothing comes without a cost. Episode 3 Mattress Full of Cash. And break apart. I'll break apart. Location, the apartment on Euclid. I remember there was a a grocery store down the street. Was it a house or an apartment? Apartment building. And what was it like? It was gray and white. We lived on the second floor. Did you like it? Mm Mm-hmm. It was real pretty. Hmm. It had like the little peekaboo kitchen. And it's just you and Jason staying there? Just me and Jason and me still being pregnant. Angelica moved what she owned into the new apartment. Are you slowly starting to, like, get new furniture? Is he, like, taking you out to pick stuff? Oh, yeah. I had no problem with that. Yeah, yeah. It was like, here's $1,500 and go get what you need. Let me know. I'd be in the car with him. We'd drop off. He'd drop off whatever. And we'd continue on our way. Jason was constantly working. On top of dealing, he was often working some scheme or showing up with an armload of random electronics. He was always coming in with, like, DVD players and all types of other (laughs) crap. And I'm like, there's, like, like 15 DVD players in there. Why are you still getting them? Angelica got to work setting up the place. And while she was at it, day after day, people kept walking up to her and offering her gifts. The crackheads were boosters. They would go to the store, steal whatever we wanted. These were Jason's clients who in exchange for drugs, would steal all the stuff Angelica would need when the baby came. I had a whole bunch of baby clothes. I had swing. Everything I needed for my baby was already there in the second room. So he's actually like sending out guys to like go steal stuff for your baby? It was the crackheads. Whatever I wanted. Except for the big furniture. The big furniture, I just had to go to the store and get. But like everything else, like (sighs) linens, towels, hygiene stuff, baby stuff, clothes for me, clothes for him. It Mm -hmm. was customers that were coming and buying drugs from him and his family. And they would say, well, when you go back out, give me some baby clothes for a boy. Angelica was aware of the dark forces of addiction and poverty that created this strange dynamic she found herself in. Still, it all felt a bit like a fairy tale. 
they'll come with the stuff. And it was like, okay, I want this, this, and this. I don't want that. And this was good stuff. What they do is get like the higher end of clothing, the name brand stuff. Mm. Bring me a car seat, bring me a a playpen or whatever the case may be. And that was how we ended up getting everything. So things are actually kind of looking good in terms Uh of like preparation and... Things were wonderful until Hmm. he went back to prison. One of Jason's family duties was to drive across state lines to pick up drugs for his mom. On one of these trips, police picked him up. When he got arrested the first time, how did you find out? Um, because he was able to call. Okay, so he calls you. Mm-hmm. Um, were you scared that that would happen? No. It was part of the lifestyle. So you were, like, prepared for that possibility? Yeah. How long was he going to be away? Um, I think he was away for almost a year. With her due date months away and Jason facing a year in prison, it was starting to look like the man who'd offered to be a father to her son was going to miss the birth. Angelica continued to stay in the Euclid house she'd shared with Jason. But now the boosters didn't come around anymore. Most days, rather than sit in an empty apartment, she'd walk the six or seven blocks over to the drug racket's headquarters, the home of the queen pin herself, Jason's mom. Location, the yellow house. On a large sofa in the middle of the room, Mama Cheryl lay all day, drifting in and out of sleep, eating plate after plate of food and selling crack. That was like the only person I've ever met that could sell crack in her sleep and lose money. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. So she always stayed in the living room and like I said, she was a heavy woman. So she used to keep the drugs on her and stuff under a boob or whatever. All day people would file in. And she would sell and stick the money in her boob or in the sofa and she would lose money all the time. Just like actually physically lose it. Like yeah, it would just she get would stuck do it in the in sofa her head. and then she'd forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> she would literally lose money all the time. And I'm like, this is the only woman that I know be That's laying amazing. on the couch, wake up, s- sell a rock or two, and then put the money away and lose the money, and but never got sleep? off the sofa. And so oh, I would man, say she incredible. used to sell drugs in her sleep. Because I don't know if she was still in the days or what. Sitting on the ground next to Cheryl was her friend. She was with this guy named Freddie, and he would get high. Freddie was this tall, slender guy who would sit next to the sofa all day, smoking crack and almost never talking. He was weird. Whenever Freddie ran out of crack, he'd pull out his knife. And he would, like, take his money and cut holes in the mattress and stick money in the mattress. Okay. He would cut, poke a hole and stick, roll up money and stick them in the mattress. Eventually, it just became a regular sight for Angelica. Mama Cheryl literally slept on a bed of cash. When Cheryl did get up, it was usually to cook. Food was her usage mm. and stuff, but... What'd she like to eat? Anything. <laughs> Look, anything. But she was a good cook. What was your relationship like? Did you did, did she kind of be cool. like a mom kind of figure to you? Like, was she um, kind to you? 
Yeah, she was she was awesome. She was cool. Mm. We always got to talk and laugh and and do all that. But I'm like, she she was just a different. She was really different. Where yeah. my mother was very strict, and this was the rules, and this is how we do it. And she's just lenient. You know, you see the nephews come in the house and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, let me get a you know an ounce," and you're like, "Is, mm. is this really like happening?" And in your face you know or the nephew comes and say hey i bought this can you rock it up for me and now she's in the kitchen <laughs> cooking up crack and i'm like wow it, it was different but it was like my bills were getting paid yeah. i had everything i needed i had a car so why not did you sell for her no she never had me sell yeah i was just always in the car to angelica Cheryl seemed larger than life. She had went to jail for driving without a license or something one time. And, you know, of course she called and was like, hey, I need y'all to bomb me out. And her being large, she still had drugs underneath one of her titties you that they never found. Me. And she was in the jail. Oh, you're kidding yeah. me. That's amazing. One day, Angelica got another gift from the person that Angelica blamed for her homelessness in the first place, her biological mother. My mother saw me pregnant at the mall. Angelica's sister-in-law worked for the DMV. So she got my, my address from the system on my oh. driver's license. She used the information to send Angelica a care package of things from her earlier life. Angelica's mom knew that she'd soon be a grandmother, but besides the gift, she didn't reach out in any other way. Angelica was alone when the birth pang started. Jason was in prison, and I tried to call his sister, Rochelle, and I tried to call his mom, and nobody answered. So I got in the car myself, drove to the hospital, passed by a police officer, ran a red light. It was in the middle of the night, and never got pulled over. I said, this is the only time I wanted to get pulled over and don't get pulled over. Yeah. I ended up going into the hospital at like six o'clock in the morning. I kept telling them, I was like, he's coming. They're like, don't push. I'm like, I'm not. The first person to show up to the hospital was Jason's sister, Rochelle. She walked Angelica through the hallway to get her mind off the pain of labor. Me and her were walking the hallways and stuff, and I'm like, I'm having a contraction. She's like, oh, I'm like, what is you moaning and groaning about? I'm the one having the contraction. She's like, I'm feeling your pains. I'm feeling your pain. I'm like, oh, my God. A little while later, Angelica's son, Anthony, was born. Once he was born, everybody else came. Okay. And stuff. And so when did when did Cheryl meet your son? She came over to the hospital, brought flowers and all that other stuff, made sure that I didn't need anything. My car was already parked outside. And when did your mom meet your son? Oh God. My mom had to have met him maybe when he was two. That long after? Yeah. Angelica came home from the hospital. Jason was still in prison, so she moved into the yellow house with Mama Cheryl and the drug crew. A few months went by. Once Angelica was back on her feet, she decided to go with Cheryl on a trip to visit Jason's other sister, who was serving a prison sentence in Florida. The whole family decided to go, 
Angelica, baby Anthony, Cheryl, and Freddie all made plans to leave. But that meant that someone would have to stay and guard the yellow house and the mattress full of cash inside. There was a crackhead that used to, uh, I hate calling him crackhead. There was a customer okay. that <laughs> they used to come and clean her yard and clean the house and all that other stuff. On top of that, movers were coming to unload furniture that Cheryl had bought. So Cheryl paid one of her customers to hang out and keep an eye on the place. He, his responsibility was to stay at the house because people were coming to take out furniture and put new furniture um, in. So that's all he was responsible for. She trusted him. He had been around for years. The crew made it to Florida. But shortly after visiting with Jason's sister, Cheryl got a call from the Yellow House. Charles, the customer, was like, hey, um, either you got robbed or something because everything's gone. Everything in the Yellow House was gone. The cars. The new furniture. She had drugs throughout the house. All gone, including the most important piece. The money mattress. They took everything. What's what's her reaction to getting that phone call? Like, how does how does a woman like that deal with this news? She was just like, what do you mean everything's gone? And he's like, everything's gone. So in her mind, she's like, this motherfucker done sold all my shit. She's hours away on plane, so there's nothing she can do about it until she comes back to Iowa. The family had picked the perfect time to take a trip, because that same weekend was the weekend the feds decided to move on Cheryl. So when she came back to Iowa, that's when it, we all found out that after the furniture had been delivered and everything, um, the feds ended up coming in and raiding her house and taking everything. And she's in Florida at this and time. And we're all in Florida wow, visiting the sister. So lucky. Yeah, because the neighbors were like, no. It was people in gear. They came through the front. They came through the back. The doors were kicked in. Everything was taken. Everything was seized. We were like, oh, shit, no. It's for real, for real. Like, hmm. and that was the last time I seen Cheryl. Really? Cheryl got whatever. That day? She, that day was the last day. Wow. By the next day, Cheryl and what was left of her empire were gone. Does she tell you she's leaving? No. She just goes. She just goes. Um, from my understanding, she moved across the country somewhere and she was still doing what she was doing. She was meeting up with um, her daughter um, halfway and still giving them drugs to bring back to Iowa. Supposedly she lost weight and yeah. I never heard anything else. I Google her once in a while just to see, but like I said, she has so many different last names that I don't know which last name she was going by, if they're hyphenated, if it's not hyphenated. So I ended up giving up. Yeah. So you have no idea if she's nope. incarcerated. I don't still know if doing she's dead, thing. alive, what she looks like, if she's in prison, none of that stuff. Do you, f 
I still Google people from my past. Oh, I, for sure, for I sure. I Google Jason. I Google his nephew um, that's in prison for murder. Do you feel like she, I don't know, this is weird, but like clearly she stays in touch with her family. Like, mm-hmm. did she kind of abandon you at that point? No, I knew that that's what she had to do for herself. Okay. I don't think she would have been ready for prison in no type of way, shape, or form. Yeah. I don't know if she ever been in prison. I never asked that question. And did you ever have any questions? Like, did anybody ever ask you questions about her? Like, did you no. ever? Okay. So maybe she was just kind of like, I'm just not going to, I'm going to make it easier for this girl and not tell her and where I'm going. And just disappear. Because even yeah. her kids didn't know exactly where she was at. Oh, Wow. It was like, okay, on this day, meet me here at this time, and we're going to go from there. Wow, wow, wow. And stuff. And it was like, I'll call you, don't call me. And it was done and over with. Yeah. It was like weird. It was like the movies and stuff where, you know, mm. you got El Chapo coming through, you know, the tunnels and stuff like that. But this this lady. Wow. So... She leaves, mm-hmm. and you you can't stay at the apartment. I assume no. Like, it's like boom, one after the other. There was no gap of relaxation. Yeah, exactly. It's like here, and then that happened, and then this happened, and then the cat, the dog, the mice, the rats, the cook, <laughs> raccoons, the possum, everything, the train, the bus, <laughs> the taxis, everybody fucking me up. And stuff. It's coming from every direction. But when you in the middle of it, it's like, okay. Yeah. You just take the blows as it goes and you're like, fuck, man. And it's like back to being like homeless. Coming up, without Jason to protect her, Angelica starts out motherhood by moving back in with the person who first kicked her out. And the cat finds a new way to stalk Angelica by targeting her son, Anthony. Next time on Where I Stay. And break apart. I'll break apart. Where I Stay is produced by Rivet and Streetwise. The show is hosted, reported, and produced by Jesse Batend. Streetwise is a weekly street publication that provides immediate income and employment opportunities to those experiencing homelessness. For more in-depth reporting and coverage, check out streetwise.org. If you enjoyed this show, there's a few things we'd ask of you. First, tell someone that, that you enjoyed it. Second, please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It's one of the most crucial things when it comes to helping us spread the word. You can also learn more about Streetwise's mission at streetwise.org. And if you'd like to help support this kind of work, it's easier than ever. Text STREETWISE, all one word, to 243725, or visit streetwise.org for more information. Special thanks to Angelica and everyone who spoke with me for this project. Our theme song is The Deconstruction by Eels. Check out their new album, Earth to Dora, wherever you get your music these days. For more about Angelica, the show, and in-depth reporting about the issues discussed, follow Streetwise on social media, or just pick up a copy. Once again, you can make a difference in the life of someone experiencing homelessness by texting STREETWISE to 243725. You can also find that link in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Jesse Patend. Thank you for listening. <laughs>